Okay, welcome to the story of America with me, the host, and my co-host, Rhett Williams. Uh, and Happy New Year. Thank you all for uh, following us into the new year with the story of America. We've got a lot of stuff planned for 2022, and we're not going to make this episode too long, but we want to talk about uh, some of the plights of civilizations Uh that may have stopped civilizations from seeing a new year. And plus, we wanted to give our predictions on what we expect to happen going into 2022. So I'm going to toss things over to my co-host. Where do you want to start? Uh, you want to start with, uh, with some history lessons of some things that you ought not do uh, to make it to the next year uh, that we've learned from civilizations past tense, or perhaps some of the things from civilizations past tense that had that they have done correctly that we ought to keep oh what do you what do you what do you want to go with this if enough people in your civilization don't have their lives together civilization falls apart heck i, I 100 agree with that uh, I, I would also say if we're if we're looking at uh, the difference of civilizations i i think you know as I've said before, they would call America a melting pot civilization, but uh, a lot of people don't give it the credit that it's due. America took the best of what crushed all these other civilizations. I mean, you look at uh, what happened with, with the city of Athens and the city of Sparta, with the difference between the Republic of Sparta and the democracy of Athens. America kind of gets the, gets the best of those and leave the spoils of it uh, uh, well, spoils not as in treasure, but as in the rotten parts of it, where it belongs in the garbage. And they took from the Renaissance period, and uh, we just kind of took the best aspects of those things. But now I'm seeing a, a awful trend where America is getting very close to modern day Athens from ancient Greece. I don't know if you see the same parallel that I'm seeing, which caused Athens's decline. Well, we talk about some of these ancient civilizations of the past and how they fell and whatnot. But at the same time, we have to remember that most of them have last, that lasted far longer than we've been around. Um, you know, so I really, it, it seems like if this is the end, it, it's coming rather quickly. I mean, you think about ancient Egypt, that civilization lasted for like three or 4,000 years. I mean, yes. the Roman Empire, you know, in its totality really doesn't exist. And, and it hasn't since the Western Empire fell. But in a larger context, we could say that they still are around through the Roman Catholic Church. Yes, that is true. Uh, but I'm, I'm just saying, because if you take a look at the, particularly with these people in our generation, unfortunately, it always comes back to our generation uh, and their idea of democracy. Um, that, that's, that's why I'm looking at the comparison of Athens. Athens. Athens was great for ushering in democracy, but the manner in which they did it, where only the majority had to say so in anything. The small people got crushed, and the majority does not make the best decision the majority of the time. 
And I think that's what made America so great was the fact that we had ourselves, rather than a democracy, we had a, a democratic republic uh, with a system of checks and balances. And now you have this generation that wants to get rid of that uh, checks and balances altogether and just run things off of majority rule. And if that were ever to be the case, I do believe that that would be the fall of America. Um, and, and, you know, America, what, 242, 244 years old, I think. And very young for a country as powerful as America to collapse in on itself uh, in less than three centuries. That's, that's, that is probably, that would probably be a world record as far as civilizations crumbling. Most, you have to understand the reason why people say that they would want to, most of these people don't understand why things are set up the way they are. And, it, you know, a lot of people, once you explain it to them early enough, if you know what you're talking about, then they'll understand. Oh, then there, then there are the people that I interact with on a daily basis. <laughs> uh, it's like trying to explain things to a brick wall. Uh, actually, I think you'd have more luck explaining it to the brick wall than some of the people that I interact with. But you keep I, 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 I do. Oh, I mean, I do. I do keep on trying to push it. Uh, I, I won't say I don't push my ideologies on people, but I do continue to try to push uh, common sense and things that you should have learned in high school or things that you should have learned in grade school, really, because most of the most of the stuff I think I learned in uh, fifth grade U.S. history, most of this. And it was further expounded upon and 10th grade uh, U.S. history, and I believe uh, U.S. government, uh, and also 10th grade or 11th grade, depending on when you decided to take the course. Yeah, well, the understanding that I, I, the basics, maybe, to learn what stuff's called, but, you know, I wouldn't consider anything that you learn in public school to be you know, the full story or a lot of times they actually end up telling you stuff that's not really true without even knowing it, maybe. Yes, like, especially as things start to change. And then uh, when school, when the public school is so, is so far behind uh, the charter schools and private schools when it comes to an updated or modern curriculum, Though in some in some aspects, it has been good that the public school has been so far behind uh, when it comes to uh, modern curriculum. I think it saved our generation from Common Core, but in other aspects, it's completely uh, asinine to have the public school system be so far behind. Well, the public school system is they can afford to be behind because there's really no. You know, it's private schools and charter schools exist, but, you know, the vast, vast majority of the schools in the country, they don't have a major competitor. I mean, the yeah, vast majority monopolized. of people go up and go. So it's not like they're trying to 
They don't have to improve for profits. They're still going to make. In fact, they can increase taxes no matter what yeah. kind of a job they do. So they, they don't have they, an incentive ex- to improve. Exactly. They you they, you do not give these uh, public schools an incentive to grow because there's no competition. You're not going to pull the funding from them. You're not going to let the money follow the child to charter school or private or private education. So yeah, you're 100% right on that. And what makes it worse are these teachers unions that lobby in Congress so hard to get whatever they want. And you get poor quality teachers and poor quality education, which results in students that don't know a damn thing by the time they get out of high school. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have exactly what you would expect from a system like that. So we really, you know, it's not really, it's not even like, I know we, we speak about generationally speaking, well, you got to look at who raised the generation, but the, re- the reason that the schools aren't teaching anything is because nobody did anything about it back then when it started, when the creeping tyranny began, nobody said anything. And now you have worthless school systems. I mean, better or worse, depending on the state. But by and large, if you look at, you know, a decently performing private school, just an average private school, and compare that to the the best public schools, they're probably going to look about the same or pretty close. Um, The average private school would probably be slightly better than the best public school, but Yes, and then the average charter school is... I'm pretty sure they'd be pretty close, but... And the average charter school is doing better than both. The problem is, is that uh, for for whatever reason, these teachers unions and these lobbyists and these politicians absolutely hate the idea of giving parents the the option to make a choice... uh, in their children's education when it comes to sending them off to these charter schools. Because oftentimes, you know, charter schools are the same public school, but with a privatized sector of the school that parents are paying particular extra money for certain uh, curriculum and things like that at the same school, uh, just a different part of it. And so it's like a, it's like kind of equivalent to well, okay, East Meridian, the prison. It's an MDOC facility, but it's run by a private company. Is that what you're saying? Yes, like exactly. Like it's a public school for, for, run uh, by a private company? For, pretty much like an example. I love eating at Burger Den, uh, but Burger Den operates at Denny's. However, they aren't Denny's. Denny's has their own thing. Burger Den has their own thing that you can only order uh through DoorDash or waiter, or you know, you can't you can't actually go there to eat, but you can get food from them, and it's the same place as Denny's, you know. And that's the same thing with the charter school. It's the same place as it's the uh, let's say for example Harrison Harrison Central High School. It's the same place, but rather than uh, building three being, uh, if I remember correct, I think building three was the math building. What, uh, or was it the English building? It was a math building. Oh, building three was some building. And English. so right, English, was it? I thought that was building five. No. Building oh. five was the uh, the freshman building. 
Well, rather than building three being the English building, let's say that building three is dedicated to the charter school. And in building three has a complete curriculum all on its own, separate from the rest of Harrison District High School. That's what I'm talking about. It's the same facility, but it has a completely different purpose because there's different people operating it and they have a completely different curriculum from the rest of the school. Yeah, this is not, see, whenever the, whenever the nation was founded, public schools were a, a great idea because there weren't any schools. I mean, there were some, but, you know, most people couldn't afford to go to them, the ones that did exist. So at the beginning, it seemed like a worthy investment. I believe it, it I think it was Dr. Benjamin Rush who was the father of the public school system. Am I right on that? I'm not sure. I, I will we'll have to research that and get back on it. I think, I think I'm right. I think it was Benjamin Rush. But I don't think that this that he would be satisfied with the state of affairs today. And I don't think that he would have been against private schools at all. It's just that there weren't people needed a public school system at the beginning. Well, it's the same and, thing. If you ask me, it's the same thing with uh, with healthcare or any or real any type of uh, service business that you allow government to get involved in. You see the quality of coverage, the quality of the service that is uh, to be expected or the service to be performed go out the window when government gets involved because they eliminate all of the competition. And as we said earlier, competition is the sole incentive for increasing quality because you don't want to lose that money trail coming in there because you're offering the best quality product. And when you have government come up in there and pretty much kill off the competition and monopolize the sector, there is no incentive to do better. There is no reason for them to have a higher quality product as much as they like to sit there and say that. The government is speaking of the executive branch, specifically executive agencies, anything that the government, you know, anything that the government does that's a service, they never have to worry about. You know, they don't they don't ever have to do a good job. The only people that have to worry about that is the ones who get elected. And even then, most of the time they still get reelected. So yeah, they don't they don't worry the about doing a good job yeah. except for about half the time that they're in office because you know particularly uh, those who are in the House of Representatives, uh, they get they get reelected every two years. So uh, more than half of their uh, time in office is spent campaigning for the next uh, election cycle, which is why me personally, I would um I would do term limits and I would increase the number of years in which a person can be a sitting member of the House of Representatives to four years and limit them to being able to hold a number uh, of, no, three years and limit them to two terms, which would be a total of six years that they could serve in the House of Representatives. I mean, that's just me because it eliminates all of the hogwash of them only working less than half the time. 
suppose any term limits are better than none at all, but they're, they're never going to happen. Yeah, I just don't see how that how that could ever be a thing. The of only way that the president, because the president doesn't set the time limits. The only way that that would ever happen that. is if you were able to get a convention of states to do it, because there are ways to override Congress uh, uh, if the president doesn't have the power. I mean, you you know that the pre if the president made the executive order and Congress struck it down and the president sent it back, the only other way to make it become law is if, uh, I believe, more than two-thirds the states uh, voted on it yeah. and made it happen. There's but I don't see that happening. A convention of states is just really, not something honestly, that I see happening. It wouldn't just be a magic trick, you know. It wouldn't. It, it might. It would fix some problems, but it wouldn't. It wouldn't just be a panacea. It would It'd fix some problems, but problems. It, would, it would. It would also incur great risk, uh, because the, the the risk that I see from term limits uh, being imposed in this particular generation is that the people that would potentially replace some of these old dinosaurs are so dangerous on the other side with their thinking, the way that they think, that if we have even the slimmest of majorities with uh, the more conservative-leaning people that would, that would uh, come in to replace some of these dinosaurs, our country could be, you know, could be messed up even worse than it is now. The, I mean, the indoctrination of the colleges has gotten so bad. That there's a lot more. I think that there's a lot more people with common sense in this generation than you realize. It's not so and, much. And that, it seems that, like it seems like every time we talk about anything to do with our generation, or let's just say this, a little people are slightly older. It seems like you have a much more pessimistic outlook than I do. No, I it's not. Have a lot more. It's not that I'm pessimistic about that, about it at all. It's that, for instance, the people like you and I, the people that have the common sense that you speak of, these are usually the introverted people. These are not the people that are out there running campaigns. And so the danger comes from the fact that the majority of the time, it seems to be that the people who wind up getting elected are the people that that have the, the ability to make people feel because they are so extroverted, but they don't know a damn thing about whatever they're talking about. And that's the danger that you don't have people like, say, you and I or or Thomas or Walter Williams or Milton Friedman or any of these people that are like minded like that. They're just not interested in getting to that political sphere. They're not interested in it. It doesn't appeal to them because they don't like they don't like all of the bickering and back and forth. Uh, you have to say that again. You're breaking up. Democrats introverted as well, but at a certain point, I'm not just talking about political office. At a certain point, it doesn't matter whether you're introverted or not. You still have when things are going wrong. You still have a responsibility. To say something about whatever you can do something about. I, I'm not just saying about political office. There's, I mean, 
most of the change is not going to be achieved from the government or elected officials. It's just not going to, it's not going to be them on the majority getting things done or trying to push things or pull things in the right direction. I agree. It's going to be uh, mostly, mostly at a local level. And for me personally, I think what has to happen for the majority of the part is either we completely abolish the education uh, department of the executive branch, or uh, we have to completely replace the people that are running it all together, like uh, just wipe them clean and start fresh. Well, there was a public school system before the Department of Education. It was just state run. It's there's no need for a, public, a federal Department of Education. It's not yeah. their job. I 100% agree. Get uh, abolish the the Department of Education. Get, uh, get rid of the Secretary of Education. It was probably probably the most useless. Uh, cabinet member uh, position that you can have in the White House because it just makes no sense to have that well, type of problem. It's like they don't have a job. They have to they have to make one up. They didn't exist before. Now they exist. If they want to keep, maintain, and increase their funding, then they have to make up a job for themselves. So they start meddling in whatever they can. And usually their yeah. ideas are just ridiculous and, and then they, because they didn't have anything else to do. And then they intentionally make the system worse and they come up with these cockamamie ideas as to how they think they can make it better just to keep a job. You're 100% right. There's maybe some people that are, are, well, I know that there are some people who are truly malevolent and truly, you know, but I think the majority of the time it's just people thinking that they're doing something that might be good somehow. And it ends up being horrible and disastrous. And they were just, you know, they had a meeting in a room with like six other people. They were like, yeah, they are. Meanwhile, they're yeah. all bored. They that, on there. They're like, that sounds great. They had they the, really that think 70 it show uh, moment. You know, they're, they're sitting in the basement with the, and when they're in their that 70s show moment and they got the little camera going around when they're eating uh, special brownies, throwing ideas off of one another. I love that 70s show, but, you know, I feel I sort of feel like that's sort of what they do. They just sit there and twiddle their thumbs uh, for a little while and figure out what the fuck they're going to do. But then at the same time, I got to say that. Uh, some federal application in the education department may be necessary, but for the major, for the vast majority of it, uh, I, I don't see what the federal the federal government can do that the states couldn't already do. And then uh, what, what the what the federal government did, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe this you might have to correct me on this. But what the federal government comes in and says is that. Oh, we're giving the funding to the schools that are testing the highest. In my opinion, and I think in the opinion of most people who are educators, you would give the funding to the schools that are lacking the worst in test scores. Because those are the ones that are showing that they need uh, more, more help. Wait, wait, say it again. That uh, for the longest time, remember, we would take our state test and 
I remember I was talking to Dr. Holloway, I was talking to Mr. Middleton, and they said that we get our funding for the school based upon the test results. So we always had to try to get advanced scores because that brought the uh, that brought us more money for the school. And so in my, in my opinion, it should have been the exact opposite. The schools that are underperforming on test scores should have been receiving the funding. Why would you why would you give schools an incentive to underperform? Oh no, I'm not saying get them an incentive to underperform. I'm saying that if we're doing these state tests to determine the uh, the averages, I would think that you would look at the state test and be like, hey, this school over here, they're way behind. We need to invest some time and some money into figuring out why they're behind. I'm not saying that you're going to just shell out money to the school. I'm saying that you need to invest time and figure out what's going on at this school that's causing they're going to have a lot of money for test scores, for state test scores. And they give money to the worst performing school and not to the best. Then that's and it, it, that seems to me like a bad idea because why? I mean, if you're going to withdraw funding, let's say from school, when I say withdraw, I don't mean literally withdraw. I mean, not award them with the money for high test scores. Then why would they do? Then why would they want to push performance scoring high? I understand your point completely. Uh, and it's just the way I think about it. It's that I can't see a reason as to why you wouldn't allocate more funding to the schools that are underperforming, because those are the ones that are showing and proving that they that they need the assistance. I think I don't think the assistance in the form of monetary, uh, you know, technology like smart wars and all of that. I think what they're clearly showing is that they need uh, funding to get better teachers and uh, better textbooks and things of, of that sort. Well, the schools that underperform are usually the same schools that always underperform. I would say in most places. Yeah, I, so would, I would agree. Sometimes it's just not gonna, you know, there's nothing that you can really. But you are you know. starting to see that trend change. I mean, you remember the, in Virginia, uh, where they just lost, in a, the Democrats just lost an election over there due to education. And you've had about 10,000 parents pull their kids out of a, uh, what was the name of that particular school in uh, Virginia that is like the gold standard of schools or that uh, county? And they're pulling their kids, 10,000, out of that, out of that uh, district. And that was the gold standard for schools in that region. And they Loudon pulled County, them all out. County. Yeah. Yes, Loudoun County. So we're starting to see the trend kind of dissipate because we're seeing uh, not so much that it's a, de a, degrade yeah, a, a degradation. Uh, yeah, three minutes to 12. Uh, a degradation in education, but the fact that now you're starting to see the curriculum be changed so horrendously that parents just can't get behind sending their kids to those types of schools anymore. Well, and what that, that, what was his name? Um, uh, Terry McAuliffe? 
Yeah, ter- dude, man, that guy. It's like he said something that w- that crossed the line no matter what party you're a part of. He should have known that. Like it doesn't, that's something that parents on both sides and in the center would probably hear and be like, okay, that doesn't. And you know, what, right makes, what makes it worse is that the Democrats are still saying it. Yeah, well, that's because they mean it. If, they, if they're not even trying to do damage control, they just keep saying it, that means they mean it. To them, it is damage control, but they, their brain's not working. All right, since we only have about uh, about uh, two minutes left, we'll, might, we, we'll do this. We'll end this at 12.05. Um, the light, lightning round on our predictions going into 2022. So my first uh, category, I want to talk about predictions of the economy. I want to get your, your takes on the economy. Inflation, what are you predicting as far as the numbers of uh, rates of inflation uh, changing in, into 2022? Do you see any uh, changes for investments or anything like that happening? Inflation is just going to continue to increase faster and faster. I think most people probably see that. I mean, I don't see any way that, you know, inflation is basically, inflation is actual theft. I mean, it's exactly the same thing as counterfeiting. It's just legal. Especially considering that we're not dealing with temporary inflation right now, we're dealing with real inflation. Uh, when when inflation becomes tangible to the point that you can feel it, when you go to the store and uh, the price of chicken is up 25 percent, you know that that hits your pockets and it hurts. Well, it's the the Federal Reserve is is literally stealing your money. They have the power to steal earning power from you, a private central bank. They just so, uh, are you predicting? Like, are you predicting any changes, uh, positive or negative, in the Federal Reserve uh, doing anything with interest rates? I, I don't know enough about that to comment. Really, I haven't. I haven't really been paying attention to the interest rates. So uh, I can't well, say. Well, under Trump, I believe the Fed changed interest rates by about one to two percent. So I'm predicting that they will probably uh, move the needle and raise interest rates. I actually, since this is inflation, they might lower interest rates by about half a percentage point. That's my that that's my uh, prediction. Is that they might lower by half a particular uh, percent at this point to try to to try to force a economic uh uh I'm not i'm not talking about recovery uh correctionary period i think they want to try to expedite that as best they can and i think they might do that by uh, reducing the interest rate um another prediction what are you predicting the midterms are going to look like 2022 um, I think that it might be, well, earlier, like the past few months, I've been saying that this 2022 could very well make the, uh, 
the 2010 uh, midterms, the Tea Party midterms, they could make that look like nothing. But I'm really not too sure about that now. I think it might, I still think that the Republicans will probably win the House and the Senate, but it might not be that spectacular of a victory. I'm, I'm about the same way. I think that they're going to uh, gain a few seats in the House not, uh, and they're going to gain maybe one or two seats back in the Senate to have a solid majority in the Senate, but not anything spectacular. I don't think that they will wind up taking the House of Representatives, though. I think the Democrats keep the House of Representatives, but they just lose their majority a little bit more. I think that the Republicans might pick up four, uh, four or five seats in the House but the Democrats will still keep the House. That's my prediction. We're going to keep, we're going to gain back the Senate by about two or three seats. And we're going to gain seats in the House, just not enough to take the House back. Because I, I don't see the, the red wave that everyone's talking about, because ultimately what it comes down to is that these, these cities, uh, they control so much power when it comes to the House of Representatives. They get so many delegates thanks to, thanks to the way the enumeration works and then on top of that we're seeing a whole bunch of uh, uh bodies fleeing some of these big cities i would think of like you know california new york and the problem is, is they're going into these uh conservative areas and they're they're not going to learn their lesson they're going to vote the exact same way so you're going to wind up having some of these areas be gridlocked and turn purple as opposed to being a solid blue or a solid red, so I'm I, I don't I don't see uh, a House majority for Republicans in the midterms. Yeah, maybe we'll see. Oh, uh, um, let's see. We got time for one more prediction. Uh, what do you predict will be either President Biden's? biggest success or biggest failure in 2022? That's, man, I don't know where to take this. Biggest success, biggest failure? Either one, which, what, what do you think? Is he going to get a good, big no, success? I think, he, I think he's probably going to succeed at forcing something. This is before the election, forcing something through that perhaps has a bigger price tag than the last major piece of legislation. So and obviously will wind up maybe he'll try to get a $2 trillion bill passed. And that will be his, you know, let's say that's, let's call that a success because I'm speaking from his perspective. But failure, I'm speaking from the perspective of myself and on behalf of the rest of the nation that thanks, you know, about stuff at all. That'll probably be our biggest failure. But yeah, Biden's okay. biggest failure, you know what? Scratch all that. I think his biggest success will be actually making it through the year. <laughs> yes, yes. I don't think he's going to live through it, but uh, I'm not wishing him any harm. But personally, I don't think he's going to make it. Uh, uh, to me, I'm thinking that his biggest success, I'm like you, I'm thinking he's going to be pushing some form of the Build Back Better bill through with some type of executive caveat. And 
his biggest failure, I am predicting that he is going to lose uh, the war of words for for Taiwan and Ukraine and allow them to be invaded by Russia and China, respectively. And I think that's going to be horrible for us, considering that we already have a pretty disgraceful reputation with our Afghanistan pullout under Biden already. And that's going to be pretty bad when it comes to our allies in the region. I don't think North Korea is going to take us very seriously at all anymore once China invades uh, Taiwan. Well, have you seen that uh, conspiracy that they got that yeah, did you see how Kim Jong-un lost all this weight? Yeah, I've seen that conspiracy. So like, okay, yeah, they're like, oh, this is a different guy. His earlobes are different. And I'm sitting there looking at the picture like, man, are his earlobes really different? They look like they might be, but it wasn't a good enough picture for me to tell. So I'm not going to jump out there and say it's not him. But like, man, why would he lose weight? I, I think he had some heart problems, but that's a pretty yeah, good I mean, I mean, he was obese from, uh, for an Asian, it was pretty obese. So yeah, you know, he wants he wants to live around long enough to to be the dictator that he is. And since he is the world leader of his country, I mean, he can have as much surgery or as many health professionals as he wants to. No one's going to challenge him. They'll get killed if they do. Yeah, that's a little bit out there to say that's not him. Because like, I feel like if it wasn't him, more people would just you know more more than just that one guy would know. It. Whoever that was, everybody would know. Okay. And uh, last prediction: uh, COVID, staying or leaving? Twenty twenty-two. It ain't going nowhere. I happen to agree with you. I think Fauci's just going to find another variant. It's they found their problem. They needed a problem that wouldn't go away. They found it. They're just going to make it last as long as they can. Forever, if they had the choice. Oh, yeah, you already see Fauci talking about that. Uh, these masks on planes ought to be permanent. Yeah. And that's what they, that's the only tool they have to really subjugate us and tyrannize us. So they're not going to let go of it that easy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I 100% agree. And so with that, that has been the story of America for this New Year's special. We are breaking in the new year at 12.08 a.m., Happy New Year's, my friend, my co-host. Uh, and we've got a great year planned. So you guys stick around with us for this for this crazy year that we're going to go through. And we're hoping to see you guys every week. Share our content, download our content, get as many people involved and stay involved with us because we're going to be doing a lot of things. That to try to get you guys to be more involved with us. We're going to have a lot more polls, a lot more activity and various different avenues that you'll be able to participate in some of our content. Uh, anything you want to dip, uh, impart before we close this one down? Stay tuned for season four. <laughs> that's the best. That's the best cliffhanger you can give somebody. All right. Well, with that being said, this has been the Story of America, and we thank you for joining us for the 
end of season three and the end of 2021. What a hell of a ride we have had this year. Thanks you. Thanks for the support. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next year.